Welcome to another episode of the Frosty and Perini Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost. With me, as always, coach of the still-alive Pretoria FC, Tony Perini. Great to be here, Derek. Great to still be in the playoffs, but that's not the story today. Uh, Derek, you guys did it. <laughs> you avoided the ACT. Listen, we only needed to win one game over at Save by LaBelle. It needed to be either last week or this week, and we won it. We went 1-13, and 13, but that one mattered the most. We sent Kevin right to the shitter, down into the toilet bowl, and I could not be happier for my team. I don't want to spoil it too soon. We're going to get into it in the super cold open. But, Tony, over at Save by LaBelle, we are flying high today. Tyler and I have been just texting back and forth. We're texting gifts of celebrations. We are texting photos. We are sending each other celebration videos. I had the the ski goggles on. We were popping champagne. Uh, it has been a party over here at Saved by LaBelle headquarters as we beat the shit out of Kevin. Well, that bromance sounds adorable, Derek, and uh, <laughs> it was definitely a big win for you guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Kevin's poor diversification strategy came back to get him again, relying too heavily on one team. Uh, it was really going into that last game there, uh, Bill Steelers relying on those Pittsburgh players, and they did not come through for him. And now he finds himself swirling down the toilet bowl, hoping he doesn't get flushed this week. <laughs> well, I can tell you, Tony, one coach who's definitely not getting flushed, uh, at least down the toilet bowl drain, is one of the hottest teams in the league. And we want to welcome him to the podcast now, coach of Bonnie McMurray, Mike Engine Throne. Thank you for having me, guys. It's great to be here. Great to be alive. Great to be chugging through here. Mike, your season has been pretty remarkable. Uh, you have been on a run, my friend, and it, I, I think you got to be one of the favorites to take home the championship in a couple weeks. You know, I <clears throat> I sure hope so at this point. You know, I, I haven't lost since week, what, seven, I think it is. I, I, eight or nine straight wins now. I'm, I'm feeling good, uh, but honestly, every, everything – Everything, everything lies on Christian McCaffrey in, in, in my mind. I, I made that trade because I didn't think I could get through Tony and Kalen without another big piece. And that, that's – I'm, I'm going to be relying on him to get healthy if, if I'm going to make it through the finals here. I, I, I think I might be able to squeak through this week if he's not okay, but I don't think I'm going to get through the finals if he can't get on the field. Yeah, and, and again, not to spoil, you were second highest – uh, scorer this week only behind Tony Perenni so it uh you know you're definitely you're you're hanging with the big boys there and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how you're able to pull it off uh but let's get into it boys the super cold open presented by Modine's three Letterkenny's premier home for puppers lager and we will start with Jump the Shark taking on Save by LaBelle. We've already dropped the Save by LaBelle 1. The final score was 104.4 to 89.5. Kevin gets a great showing out of Derrick Henry scoring 36 points. Russell Wilson gives him 22. 
Daniel Carlson, kicker, gives him nine. <laughs> and the next highest score is the Steelers defense with five. Going into the Sunday night game, it looked like Kevin was going to win and was projected to win by about 15 or 20 as he had James Conner, Chase Claypool, and the Steelers' defense left to go. They combined for a less about 10 points. Uh, and so just an absolute rock dropped. James Conner gets 1.8, Chase Claypool 4.5, Steelers defense five. So just a really, really tough showing there for Kevin. On the other side, though, for Save by LaBelle, we got good showings out of the Cardinals defense giving 20 points. And I took a lot of heat for playing him a couple weeks ago. But Hot Rod Rodrigo Blankenship gets 14. Robert Tanyan gets 14.6. Ryan Tannehill, a late substitution for TB12, gets 16.5. So 104 points, not a whole lot to write home about, but when your opponent gets 89, you feel pretty good about that. And Saved by LaBelle saved from back-to-back ACTs. And isn't that two weeks in a row where Kevin's trio of Steelers combined for like 10 points, too? I think I remember saying that on last week's episode. You sure did, and the Steelers have gone 0-2 in the last two games. Um, and oh, so that's... when that, that team struggles, that team struggles hard. They sure do. That offense seems to be uh, really stuck in neutral right now. Ben's starting to show his age a little bit. Uh, they, they seem to have really lost their running game over the course of the season. They're, I think they're relying a little too much on Ben's arm. Um, and not really being able to turn the clock back the way uh, they would like to be able to. So... Um, Kevin feels the full brunt of it here, and now he finds himself in a very, very uncomfortable position. Next week, uh, going into that toilet bowl, this is just a year out from being the championship game last year. So uh, a total riches to rags story for Kevin. <laughs> and uh, now he, he finds himself in a predicament, and he's going to have to hope that those Steelers players come back to life this week. Luckily for him, they had the Bengals on deck. So that might be enough to to get him going again. Um, but but the real story here is, uh, as we already mentioned in, in the lead, it's it's you and Ty getting off the Schneid. That's been the uh, been the favorite for the ACT all year long. That's been a recurring story on this podcast. Is is Ty going to have to take back to back ACTs? Can he beat his score from last year? And uh, luckily for you guys, we don't have to find out now. So. Uh, got the one win when it mattered most. Uh, this roster here, um, I, th- I think there's a couple pieces on there that may have some keeper value. It's not going to be Ty next year. Uh, I, I believe we might have uh, have two Gorgonzolas on the plate next year uh, with with Vince's wife, Amanda, possibly taking over, over this team. And uh, she's going to have some work to do on this lineup, definitely. But uh, for one week, they were on top of the world. So big congrats, Derek. Big congrats, Ty. Uh, you got to love it. And uh, it, it's worth all the gifts you guys are sending. <laughs> Listen, I am happy now to ride back off into the sunset. I feel like I, I'm going to be coming in yearly for some team as like a toilet bowl uh, expert. It's just like that one dude who 
just like really knows how to perform in the toilet bowl to avoid the ACT. Toilet bowl consultant there. I've done it. I've been involved in three of the toilet bowls, three of the four toilet bowls we've had, and I've yet to take an ACT. Uh, I don't think anybody else in our league can claim that. So, uh, yeah. So, listen, I it's a hefty price, but, you know, what's it worth to you to not have to take the ACT? Yeah, it's up to you. It's up to you. So, uh, listen, I am, I, I will be contracted out for the right price. I will lead your team away from the ACT. Uh, been proven time and time again. Tyler took that advice, and uh, sure enough, here we are. Uh, just you know, we get to watch these games this week, Tony, with no stress whatsoever. Uh, while Steve and Kevin are are, are shitting themselves, I and mean, that's that's essentially what it comes down to. That's a good feeling, really. Thinking that they're going to be shitting themselves in this game this week. So, uh, great, great work. Came in as the closer and uh, closed it out. You know, Mom always said you'd be good at something, Derek, and you found it. Yep. Yep, you can call me Mariano Rivera. <laughs> All right, moving to the other game, Tony. Steve Groover's threat level midnight taking on Dave Peschens, the Little Sebastians. And this was part three of the Meanderwood melee. Groover has rough showings all around. Justin Herbert puts up 15.7. Miles Sanders was his bright spot at 29. But Mike Williams, zero. Giovanni Bernard, 3.3. Uh, Seahawks defense gives him 12. So he totals out at 100. On the other side, Dave Pestian gets the win, 114.6. After a fairly disappointing showing from Matt Ryan, only putting up seven, he gets a good showing from Jonathan Taylor with 30.5. Stephon Diggs in that Sunday night game gives him 29.1. He didn't really need Diggs to do much, but he just kind of put the the exclamation point on that. Austin Hooper didn't put up any points for him either. And Ravens defense puts up negative four. Uh, again, that didn't really matter so much. Going into the Sunday night games, Monday night games, Dave pretty much had the game wrapped. Uh, but, but it has to feel pretty good for Dave getting that win 114 to 100. And he too will be watching some stress-free football this weekend. And uh, in, in the fashion that we did it earlier in the season, we gave Dave a lot of shit for this trade that he made with Mike, and it ends up coming through for him here in the end. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has his biggest game of the season, almost 31 points. Stefan Diggs, uh, the, the Steelers apparently had no intention of covering him at all in that game, so he goes off for 29. Uh, he also got really good showings in prior weeks from Antonio Gibson to get him in position here. Um, for, for this week uh, so that trade did end up working out quite well for him it's worked out what more uh, well for him than it has for Mike so far as McCaffrey's been yet to suit up uh, so Dave gets just enough these last couple weeks to get himself out of Dodge and uh, also get some bragging rights pushing his good buddy Steve down to the toilet bowl that's got to feel great for Dave um, so Dave's team's done um, I think he's going to have some, some interesting decisions to make on his roster uh, for next year because I think a lot of his guys have, have uh, they have a little higher keeper values than they did in previous years now. Uh, he kept McCaffrey for high value and then traded him off this year. Uh, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. It's going to be interesting to see what his approach is next year, but I'm sure I'm sure we know he's going to try and line up with a bunch of stars, but I think he's going to have some decisions to make as far as keepers go. Uh, Steve, uh, welcome back to the toilet bowl. 
Uh, it's, it's been well publicized and debated by Steve himself uh, that the whole ACT punishment was born because of his tanking. And he, he's disputed that greatly. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter now. He, he finds himself face to face with it. We, we were putting bets last week on which of his players was going to be the one to go down early in the game. Uh, if you had Mike Williams, go collect your winnings right now because <laughs> he, he bows out very early in that contest. So just another week where Steve uh, just shows again that he's the blitz. He just can't get out of his own way right now with injury issues and uh, uh, they could hurt him all the way to the ACT now. So big, big matchup between two guys that have been uh, big time heavyweights in this league in the past steve and kevin pretty much fixtures in the playoffs um and in the championship discussion they find themselves in unfamiliar territory with all the stakes on the line yeah i'm, I'm starting to wonder after watching this season did steve really tank back then or was he just terrible at fantasy football and just had a couple good seasons um and i'm starting to think it might be the latter uh that he's just really bad at fantasy football so, because uh, I, you know, kind of start to finish here, Steve has really struggled. He didn't do great last year. Uh, you know, he wasn't in the in the toilet bowl, but he wasn't his normal self that we saw in those first two years. And I'm we opened this whole podcast. The pilot for this podcast was talking about is Steve a dynasty, and and at the beginning of last season, that was the entire discussion: is is Steve a dynasty? And I think we learned last year, no. Uh, I, I'm and I'm starting to think. He really just kind of captured lightning in a bottle for two years. But when it comes down to it, when when you start losing some of those some of those keeper values and it comes down to really your skills as a fantasy football owner, as a drafter, as a waiver wire, you know, coach that, that Steve just doesn't have what it takes. And uh, I think we're going to see him back in the toilet bowl next year uh, and, and potentially, you know, if, if he's the one who ends up taking the ACT. I think he becomes my instant favorite for back-to-back ACTs. I don't even need to see his roster for next year. Uh, I just, I, I can tell you, it's it's not going to be good. Well, it's tough to debate. Steve is terrible, so uh, it, it could definitely happen. Uh, it's <laughs> just just going back to that blitz component. Just just yeah. let's just isolate the factor right now. I think we we put our our finger on the moment that the the blitz was transferred from myself. Steve. It was during that preseason Lamar Jackson for DJ Moore trade. Uh, if Steve had Lamar Jackson this week and his 35 points that he put up on my team, he's out of this. He's done. Yeah. He's kicking his feet up this week. What did DJ Moore do for him? Uh, didn't play. He had COVID. So. <laughs> uh, it is just not debatable. He is definitely the Blitz, and I, I think he's got to be the favorite to take this exam right now because his luck right now is just, it's, it's so bad. I'm not sure he can turn it around in a week. Yeah, I, I'm waiting to find out that the majority of his roster has COVID. I mean, I think, I think honestly, that's what's coming next um, because he's the Blitz, and that's what happens to the Blitz. You know, he, he picks, he picks G, Giovanni Bernard, over J.K. Dobbins, and that's a 10-point difference. Uh, Tony, that was all, all pretty much the difference. You know, that, he was still lost before, but it's, it gets you really close. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, poor Steve. 
but uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be fun to see him there. <laughs> yeah, I hope he lost all of his bets, too. All right, let's get into some games that really matter here, and that is in the playoffs. First, we start off in the Einstein's division, where Tim Taft's Leave It to Beasley goes in to the juggernaut that was Tony Peretti's Vittoria FC. Tony, you won this one 166 to 98 for Tim. He put a lot of faith in Josh Allen, and I wouldn't say he disappointed. Puts up 18, he's projected 22, so not great, but not really the downside on his team. Aaron Jones only puts up 9.5. DeAndre Washington only puts up 7.2. Cooper Cup gives him 14. Uh, Curtis Samuel gives him 16. Darren Waller, 14, but Giants defense, zero. So 98 points, not going to win you too many games, but especially not when you go up against Lamar Jackson, who gives 35 David Montgomery, 24. Devontae Adams, 24. Calvin Ridley, 26. So, all around great showing from your team there, Tony. I would say Evan Ingram with 3.8 was definitely your downside, but pretty much everybody else, minus the kicker, putting up double digits in a very solid win. Yeah, I'm really going to miss getting to face Tim on a weekly basis because I just looked back through my uh, <laughs> through my schedule and three of my top four scoring weeks were against him this, this year. So he, he has been quite the good luck charm to go against on my side. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why that is. It's just my guys seem to have just have everything in sync uh, when, when they face leave it to Beasley. So uh, Big week for my guys. I'm still I'm still a little concerned about uh, Kamara's usage going forward. I'm, I'm really really uh, checking the injury reports every single day to see if Drew Brees is coming back anytime soon because I think that really unlocks my team uh, for the last two weeks here. If I can get him back to the point where he's getting eight to ten targets a game, uh, I think the sky's the limit for my team. So good showing overall, and uh, I'm looking forward to the coming weeks here. Uh, for Tim, it's just uh, it's a, it's a, that's a tough one to have 98-point clunker first first week into the playoffs. But I don't think you can let it overshadow where where Tim's come from this year. You know, he's been down in the toilet bowl uh, toilet bowl picture for the last couple seasons, and this is really uh, getting his team back to where it used to be this year. It's kind of kind of uh, shades of of his former self. So. I think he's got to like the fact that he seems to have turned the corner here. I think he's got some really good building blocks uh, to move forward with. He kind of he went with a draft method of accumulating a lot of high floor guys this year, and that worked out for him quite a bit. I think it just ran out a little of steam a little bit uh, once he got into the playoffs. Needed a little more star power, so it'd be interesting to see if he adds a star or two uh, to this mix, and then goes with a similar strategy to fill out the rest of the roster, but. I think he found a recipe that works pretty well for him. He just probably needs a little more firepower in the next year. But overall, good to see Tim back in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get into our Sacred Heart game of the week. And the reason we have Mike Engine thrown on, Mike gets the win over defending champion Vince Gorgonzola, 161.5 to 137. For Vince, Patrick Mahomes puts up, I would say, a fairly disappointing showing against Miami. Gets 18.6 points, projected 22.6. But Vince was looking for him to get a lot more there. Austin Eckler puts up 23. A.J. Brown, 24. Washington defense 
gives him 23. And at the end of the day, 137 points is not a bad showing. Um, unfortunately, <clears throat> went up against the second highest scoring team in the league this week, which was Mike Engine Throne. Allen Robinson gives him 27. Tyreek Hill, 26. Mike Davis, 26. Deshaun Watson puts up 16. Not great, but not bad. And Rams defense adds on another 20. So, Mike, second highest scoring team in the league this week. You are are on a on a path to take, you know, to go to the championship. You know, depending on, on matchups this week, uh, we'll see what happens with you here. But uh, this has to be a pretty good feeling coming off this game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry to Vince. I'm sure I'll hear about it next time I see him. Third time taking him down in five weeks now. So I'm kind of backhanding him around the ring now. It'll be nice to get my shot at somebody else here. Uh, I know <clears throat> not to get too far ahead of myself, but Charlie's handled me twice this season, so uh, I have my hands full. I, I'm, I'm not, as as well as I've played the last few weeks, I, 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 I'm not that confident going into this next week. Tony, what was your analysis of this game? Uh, the, the, the juggernaut that is Mike's team just keeps on rolling right now. Another 160-point showing. Uh, I think it was last week he kind of showed his human week where he's down in the 130s, but it's just been smooth sailing for him. And he hasn't even gotten to use Christian McCaffrey yet. So if he ever gets to plug him in the lineup, uh, he's going to be damn near unbeatable. So I, th I think everybody else is kind of hoping that that thigh issue continues to uh, uh, pop up for for cmc here in the next couple of weeks just to just to give everybody else a chance because just looking at this roster there's just very few holes through it um it, it's it's tough to see a way for you to go in and, and beat him on a, on a, a given week so I'm, I'm sure charlie's not looking forward to facing him this week but as mike said charlie's gotten him twice already this year but I, th I think it bears mentioning we mentioned the uh the bye weeks there and how guys fared uh it may have happened again this year where if by 0 0.06 points, uh, that entire playoff picture shifts. Uh, if Steve ends up winning that game, rather than losing by 0 0.06, Charlie plays last, last week against Vince and Vince beats him. And this whole playoff picture ends up looking a lot different. So that, that buy just looms large for Charlie and we'll see if he can take advantage this week. Um, and for Vince, you know, his, his title reign finally comes to an end. It was it was kind of a, a tougher year for him. He had that target on his back, and he knew he was gonna get everybody's best week, and he did. And I, I think we, we saw last week we kind of uh, mapped out a way that he could have possibly upset Mike this week. He had some pretty good matchups, but uh, when you only get seven points from Adam Thielen, uh, when you uh, have your own stealer in the line of Eric Ebron, and he only gives you seven points. Uh, when you really need more, it, it's just tough. And then obviously he had that, the equalizer was on, on Mike's side with uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing to Tyreek Hill. Uh, that, that, the ratio of points kind of goes off on that one. So this is a tough all-around matchup for Vince. Uh, I think he's got a lot of good pieces to bounce back with next year. I don't think we've seen the last uh, of his team being in the playoffs, but uh, unfamiliar territory for him. He was, he was, one year in, one year champion last year. This year, he's going to have to rebuild a little bit. So uh, we'll see how he does next year. And we'll, 
I think we're going to have a new budding rivalry coming up in the league next year too, uh, with with both Gorgonzola's going up against each other. So we have some big stuff to look forward to. I'm excited for the the rivalry that is Gorgonzola v Gorgonzola, and Vince and Kalen have started developing a little rivalry in the Discord that I think is going to spill over into the field next year. So I'm very excited to see Kalen and Vince go up against each other next year. Uh, but Mike, do you think uh, do you think anybody has stepped up for you as a as a rival, or are you still uh, kind of getting your feet wet in the league? I I'm still getting my feet wet, but if I had to <clears throat> say right now, I would say you know either Vince or Charlie. Vince as a defending champion, and I took him down a couple times, and then knocked him out of the playoffs, and then Charlie beat me in one really close game early in the year, and then barely nudged me out for the division lead, and then. We have our third matchup coming up here. So if I had to say anybody, one of those two, but besides that, I'm still testing the waters with everybody else. Uh, Looking at bye weeks here, just for fun, uh, Kalen King's Bob Roethlisberger's, again, he was on a bye week, scores 146, and Charlie Thurber's Blue Cat Lodge gets 128. And that'll do it for the Super Cold Open, presented by Modine's 3, Letterkenny's premier home for Puffers Lager. So, Mike, it's it's your first season in the fantasy league. You you go through the auction draft. You know, at, at what point did you realize, hey, I have a pretty good team? I, I felt good right after the draft. I, I, I you know I looked looked over my roster after the draft, like I do with any other draft. felt felt pretty good. I, I didn't <clears throat> didn't feel like I had a specific hole or or weakness. I I felt like I had a a pretty solid roster, a couple of decent bench pieces that that could blow up, and, and a few of them turned into trade pieces in Jonathan Taylor and Antonio Gibson. But uh, <clears throat> then I kind of started slow out of the gate and started one and three, so I, I didn't exactly feel great at that point. I had two pretty heartbreaking losses to Kalen and, and Charlie there back to back in weeks three and four, and that kind of put me down in a hole. But after that, I started to get rolling. I, 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 Felt good. My, my players started performing pretty consistently, and, and now I feel like I, I'm i in a pretty good spot. And, and overall, I'm, I'm pretty proud of how I've handled my first auction draft the first year in the league. I, no matter how the last couple of weeks go here, I, I think I'll be happy with my rookie year here. Yeah, and this was an interesting thing to watch, uh, specifically kind of as you trended through the year. Because um, if we look at, you know, so you start off with a win against uh, against Kyler, Tyler Kerr's Saved by LaBelle. You go on the three straight losses. You get two wins, uh, one against Tony there, and then another, another loss. So going into week eight, you know, you're, you're sitting there at three and four. And, uh, you know, really kind of down with kind of the lower end of of the of the league but there were a lot of teams kind of struggling at that point when we look at that midpoint season midpoint of the season there weren't really too many teams really separating themselves at that point uh, i think Kalen was starting to separate himself tony was starting to separate himself a little bit but otherwise there was a big chunk there and then you just go off for seven straight wins including last week um and really haven't haven't looked back and that's why I think you kind of snuck up on people, uh, especially after that trade. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait, Mike's here. And, you know, in week eight, when you when you really go off, you get 149. 
Then you get 158, 127, 174, 193, 138, 161. You know, you just start putting up these monster numbers. Um, not that you didn't already have really good numbers before, but just these monster numbers that only a bad matchup would lead you to lose. Uh, and so that, that's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch on my side too. But <laughs> as you mentioned, it's it, it's it's the matchups that get me, and, and Charlie's gotten me twice this year, and and that's who I that's who I unfortunately get to face again. So as good as the last eight weeks have gone, I I got my work cut out for me. I I would feel a lot more confident playing just about anybody, d- despite the points for that, that Tony and Kalen's teams have put up compared to uh, compared to Charlie. I think. I would have to check, but I'm, I would have to guess Charlie is a solid 150 points behind us three with uh, as far as the four teams left in the playoffs. But he, he plays the matchups well, and, and that's what matters. So I've got, uh, yeah, as I said, I've got my work cut out for me. Yeah, so, okay, specific to that. Okay, so let's, let's look at that. So Tony has a, um, 1,840. Kalen, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking at points four. So Tony has 1,840, Kalen 1,825, you have 1,821, Charlie has 1,580. So that point differential, I'll do the math here real quick, 1821 minus 80, see, and this is the math you, you don't have to do. Uh, when you don't take the ACT. Uh, yeah, so that point differential is about 240 points that you scored over Charlie. But like you said, he's gotten you twice this year. Um, so so that that's going to be a really, really, really fun matchup to watch uh, because of that. Yeah, the the points for it don't necessarily matter. I mean, it, it generally you do see the highest scoring teams up top and making it through the playoffs three of the four highest scoring teams are here in the semifinals but there's not always but a lot of times there's that one or two team that plays the matchups well and even if they don't have the highest scores they they get the right matchups week in week out and they play the right people every week they find themselves in good position so hats off to charlie and i'm looking forward to this week's matchup i mean if you see his division record he's eight no in the division i just noticed that he swept the division. So <laughs> him and him and Kalen both swept the divisions. There's there's a reason they they got the bye week. Yeah, you know, we, we talked to Charlie last week about that. You know, just his points for points against being being off by about ten or eleven. Uh and and that's that's been a, a cool thing to watch with Charlie's team kind of specifically. But you know, for somebody like you going up against Charlie's team, that's gotta be a little bit unnerving that you know part of it is good matchups part of it is he's just lucky with teams putting up some of their worst games when they go on to face him and that was true with you um i'm looking up here to see exactly when that week was but the one time you faced charlie you only put up 112 which was one of your lowest scoring games um yes you guys face off in week four where you lost 143.1 to 144.9, and then the uh, in week seven 112.3 to 129.7, um, and so 112 goes down as your second lowest score the entire season. Uh, it just happened to be against Charlie. 
that, that's how it goes. And, and really, I just noticed and for overall points against this year, um, the lowest points against was Kalen and then me and then Charlie. So I, I had even less points scored against me than Charlie did. So it's, it's, it's weird how things <laughs> work out. Hey, Mike, uh, just just stack this auction league up against other leagues you've done in the past. I know you were you weren't real familiar with the auction format. Uh, coming into this league, but now you have a year under your belt. Uh, h- how do you feel about about this league as compared to other uh, snake draft leagues you've been in? I I'd, I like it <clears throat> a lot more than, than the snake draft. I'd, I I don't mind the snake draft, but now that I've done an auction draft, I would definitely prefer that. And that's actually I've kind of pushed that for my main league with all my buddies back home in St. Louis. I've I've tried to push that league to migrate to an auction and or keeper league also and get away from the snake draft because I I think it kind of levels the playing field that much more and, and takes a little more little luck out and a little puts a little skill in even though at the end of the day it's still mostly luck but well I, I think you, you touch on a really good point there because you know, with with the snake style draft, there's a lot of luck in what what order you end up in, uh, and then obviously any fantasy league or any real league for that matter, there's a lot of luck when it comes to injuries, and and matchups and that sometimes. But for the most part, the the fun thing I think too about the auction draft is is all the strategy that goes into it, and that's why I think it's really cool to see you know how well you're doing this year, how well Vince did last year, that they're isn't necessarily a big learning curve that that strategy is fairly fairly easy to pick up on but it's 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 real like you really you have to know what you're doing going into those auction drafts uh, but any any team in the league has a chance at any player for the right price yeah and that's what I like about it and and I'll be I can't speak for Vince but I'll and maybe this is why the learning curve is a little better, but I definitely took advantage of ESPN's mock drafts and did a handful of auction league mock drafts just to get a feel for how the auctions go and what players are going for and, and all of that. So that, that gave me a good feel. And, and I, honestly, I don't do that level of preparation for my snake draft league. So there's a decent chance that a lot of people in this league don't do mock drafts before every league also. So that might've given me a, even a slight leg up just because of that extra level of preparation, even though I don't have the auction draft experience. Yeah, that preparation is, is key. You know, I, I remember one of the things that was surprising to me the first time we did this, uh, cause I did, I did a similar thing uh, was how low quarterbacks go for, you know, I remember Tom Brady coming off a, a really good season. I'm like, Oh man, like, you know, you're going to probably pull him pretty high you know, in a, in a snake draft, you're thinking like second, third round for your top, you know, th- those handful of elite quarterbacks. Um, and then it was like, no, he went for seven bucks. Like, you know, he was a, he was a third string re- you know, running back uh, value, essentially. Uh, and those quarterbacks just go so low. But if you want those skill players, you got to pay for them. Yeah, but I've always, for snake drafts, I've always been one to wait on quarterbacks until very late in the drafts. But coming into the auction draft, that was kind of my biggest question mark because I didn't really know how to approach the quarterbacks. And so I I went with Deshaun. I didn't want to go very expensive with, with the Mahomes or the 
Lamar's obviously Lamar was a keeper, so he wasn't available, but I didn't want to go with one of the top notch ones and spend too much, but I I also didn't want to wait too long and only spend two or three dollars. I think I picked up Deshaun for eight or nine dollars in the middle of the pack and that worked out for me and for the most part it's working out for me better now than it did in the beginning of the year. But quarterbacks were were hard for me to value coming into this year for sure. Yeah, you got Deshaun there for nine. I'm looking at your uh your draft summary here. So your keepers were Terry McLaurin for six bucks. Tyreek Hill for 22 and Allen Robinson for 11. Uh, I think all those guys, you know, you had a $5 tax essentially onto each of those names. <laughs> that might be your same keeper list moving forward. It very well might. And that's a <laughs> big factor in, in my trade with Dave earlier is, is the number of keeper pieces I had. Cause Antonio Gibson and Stefan Diggs both are, and Jonathan Taylor, I think all have pretty decent keeper values. So I, I had a lot of keeper value to spare and, and and some of these guys weren't even getting into my lineup. So I, I took a shot and so far it's not really working out for me, but I still have time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, time to break down next week's games in the conference call presented by McLaren's pub. <sighs> Only three games to go through this week. Let's start in the toilet bowl. We see Steve Groover's threat level midnight going in to take on Kevin Hulick's jump the chark. As it stands right now, Steve projected to lose and to take the ACT as Kevin is projected to win 119.8 to 111.2. Groover, counting on Justin Herbert, projected at 20.5. Miles Sanders, coming off that great game, projected at about 16. Mike Williams, projected at 12. Hunter Henry, 11. Otherwise, looks pretty mediocre across the board. Looking over to Kevin's team, he's hoping to get another big game out of Derrick Henry, Going up against the Detroit Lions, he's projected 23.3. We talked about the Steelers going up against the Bengals. James Conner projected 11.8. Chase Claypool, 11.5. And Steelers defense, 8.5. Call it wishful thinking, my friends. I'm going to go with Kevin on this one because I want to see Groover take that ACT. So, yeah, I'm going Kevin. Mike, who do you got? I don't know. This one's this one's tough. And I, I think the projections are a little misleading. There's a couple people on Steve's bench that might get healthy and be able to get into his lineup. I know Giovanni Bernard's been extremely disappointing with Joe Mixon out. <clears throat> uh, there's a couple good powerhouses on both sides, but I, I – I think I'm going to go with you and, and and say Kevin takes this one out. I, I think the Steelers get back on track a little bit. And he gets he gets good games from all of them, and his Steelers offset Deontay Johnson. It's one Steeler on Steve's side, and Derrick Henry has another Derrick Henry game with 200 and whatever yards and however many touchdowns. That's what he's been doing the last few weeks, so I'm 
I'm going to go with Kevin. I don't think it'll be a landslide by any means. I think it'll be pretty darn close, but I think I think Kevin takes it. And the the team that I thought was a juggernaut coming into this league, little did I know, will <laughs> fall all the way to the bottom. <laughs> Tony, is that a clean sweep, or do you think Steve has enough to pull out the win? Sorry, sorry. I was uh, I was trying to pick which player on Steve's roster is going to get injured this week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Robinson. He's probably due. Uh, I don't. I, I, yeah, it's going to go. Bring out the brooms. It's going to be a sweep. Uh, you you had me at Derrick Henry against the Lions. That could be like a forty point showing right there. And uh, you know he's he's heavily dependent on Steelers players. And this week the Steelers get the Bengals, who are I believe, if not the worst defense in the league, the next to worst defense in the league. So uh, that should be Kevin's remedy there. And uh, if I'm Steve, I, I just he's he's got to be looking at his roster, just like just just trying to determine who can actually make it through a full game for him. Like it's just it's such a such a miserable experience. And I've been there before uh, having to try and determine, uh, you know, who's the least likely to get injured on a given week. Uh, and Steve's there. And I think it's going to cost him. I think I think Steve is going to take the ACT. All right, let's get back into the playoff games. We see over in the Einstein's division, Tony Perini's Pretoria FC going in to take on the overall number one team in the league, Kalen Kings, Bob's, Roethlisberger's. So let's look at these last couple matchups because these two teams have faced off twice already. In both games, so they saw each other in week four and week eight, Kalen gets the victory. In week four, is 126.5 to 106. And in week eight, 154 to 108 this week in the game that matters tony's projected to win 137 to 134.7 tony's looking for a big game out of lamar jackson going up against jacksonville projected at 21 alvin kamara going up against kansas city projected 20.1 Devonte adams going up against carolina 23.4 on the other side, Aaron Rodgers is in a quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger at this point, the namesake, is on the bench. Aaron Rodgers going up against Carolina, projected 22.2. Keenan Allen going up against the Raiders, projected at 19. Travis Kelsey against the New Orleans Saints, projected 19.8. So a 2.4 point spread. That is incredibly close. Uh, and there's some spots there on the bench, too. Uh, so even if COVID does wreak havoc for either roster, they're going to be able to plug some players in. The interesting thing to me is we're talking about week 15 of the NFL season, and there's only one designation for anybody on either roster. And that's a questionable status for Keenan Allen. Tony's roster is 100% healthy. Again, pending any COVID tests that will come out between now and game day. But that, that projection is super tight. But you know what I love to do the most on this podcast is root against Tony. I'm going to pick Kalen in this one. I think he has just enough from Aaron Rodgers 
And I'm going to say Ezekiel Elliott only projected 13.7 going up against San Francisco. I think, you know, Zeke's had a couple disappointing games. I think he has a bounce back game this week. And I think that's going to be enough for Bob's Roethlisberger's to go from rags to riches, from being in the toilet bowl last year to the Super Bowl this year. I'm picking Kalen King. Mike, who do you got? A uh, couple, couple good matchups on, on both sides. I, my bias might be playing into it here because I, I've seen what Kalen's team has done all year, and Tony's team has been a little more up and down while, while Kalen's just been pumping out numbers just week after week, all year long. But Tony has a couple players that are hitting their high notes at the right time. David Montgomery's finally looking like the running back he's supposed to. Brandon Ayuk is coming out of nowhere and looking like a star receiver in San Francisco. I think he has like four or five games straight with 18-plus fantasy points. Uh, Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. He's good for 20-plus points every single week, if not 30 Alvin Kamara is still Alvin Kamara, even if he's not what he used to be. He's still going to give you 15 or so points. And Lamar finally had a good game, and now he gets Jacksonville to keep it going. So I, <clears throat> even though Kalen's going to put up a lot of points, I think you're right with Zeke having a bounce-back game. Chubb's going to keep it going. Keenan Allen's been a monster all year, and so is Metcalf and Kelsey, obviously. I mean, Kalen's team is just stacked. But I think Tony's going to squeak it out. Well, there you have it, Tony. We're split. What uh, What are your thoughts going into this week? Well, I don't feel great going into it because uh, <laughs> if, if facing Tim is my good luck charm, uh, facing Kalen has definitely been my kryptonite. Uh, you could see the point totals there for previous games. The first game, 107 points. The second game, 107 points. I guess I average 107 points when I face Kalen. So um, I'm not feeling real great. Uh, for whatever reason, my team has not put up points against him this year. And, uh, you know, it, it's tough to beat a team three times, but uh, he's got a, he's got a loaded roster there. So I like a lot of my guys. I like a lot of my matchups. Uh I, I, it's going to be a good showing. I don't. I don't feel as great going into this game as I did last week. But uh, you know, I, I think I got. A, I think I got a shot. So um, we'll see if my guys can pull through for me and get me to that championship game. And in our sacred heart game of the week, we see Mike Engine Thrones, Bonnie McMurray squad go into town to take on Charlie Thurber's Blue Cat Lodge. As we look back in this matchup, and we've talked about it already, so I don't want to belabor it, but the last two times these two teams faced, Charlie Thurber won both of them. The first one, 145 to 143. The second one, 129, 130 to 112. This one, however, is a very different game. Bonnie McMurray projected to win this one, 139.5 to 116.3. That's a 23-point spread there. Yeah, it's not a small number. For Mike, Deshaun Watson going up against Indianapolis, projected 21. Dalvin Cook projected at 23. Tyreek Hill projected at 20.1. Terry McLaurin, we talked about him a little bit ago, projected 16.2. On the other side, Kyler Murray for Charlie, projected at 21.6. 
Ronald Jones, Rojo, projected 14.5, Cam Akers, 15.6, and Michael Thomas, 15.9. So only projected 116 there, but we've talked about it. We've talked about it over and over again, how well Charlie has done uh, with with matchups, with you know getting the, the worst of the opposing squads, uh, Mike, you are going to be in a little bit of trouble here if any of your guys go down as your really only backup running back there, Devontae Booker, projected 6.2. So really hoping the injury slash COVID bug doesn't hit. But right now, knock on wood, no designations for any of your guys either uh, in your starting lineup. So it uh, has to feel pretty good. Waiting on Christian McCaffrey, who is listed officially as doubtful. Uh, but Mike Davis in there projected a 15.9. So um, I am going to take Mike in this one. I think it's been destiny since week eight as he's gone on that streak. I think the streak stays alive and Mike finds himself in the championship next week. Mike, how do you feel going into into this game? Uh, As I said earlier, I I could be feeling (laughs) better. You know, the, the projection looks nice, but we all know how funky these projections are. I'd, I'd like to see how close to my projection I've actually hit every year. Fortunately, the last few weeks it's been over, but whenever whenever I pay, play Charlie, that's not the case. And I look at a couple of my matchups, I see Dalvin Cook going up against the Bears and Deshaun Watson going up against the Colts, and I, I could just... I can see it coming already. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just hopeful and stay optimistic. But, I mean, he all of a sudden has Cam Akers, who, who's come out of nowhere and got, what, 29 touches with the Rams last week and is all of a sudden a, a workhorse running back right when he needs him to be, right, perfectly to replace Will Fuller, who used to, <clears throat> who he used to use to offset Deshaun Watson, just how I used Tyreek to offset Holmes against uh, – against Vince there so we'll see I'm, I, I feel good about my team but I, I don't feel good about the matchup because of history Tony who do you got well looking at both sides here I'm, I'm blinded by all the green check marks on, on Mike's side it's uh, <laughs> on paper this is a, a, a blowout uh, just, just looking at, at Charlie's side uh, you know, there's not a lot of advantages from a point standpoint there uh, to, that would lead you to to pick his squad. And the, obviously the part that gives me pause here is the fact that we've literally been sitting there saying that exact same thing for 13 weeks. And he won his division and went 8-0 in, in the division and uh, just keeps on rolling and has beat this, this juggernaut that is Mike's team twice this season. So... Definitely has to make you stop and think about it a little bit. Um, in the at the end of the day, though, I think the points disparity is just going to be too much finally, and I think it's going to finally catch up to Charlie here. You know, he's he's not consistently putting up the type of points uh, to to beat a team like Mike, and he's he's really got to hope for a down week for Mike in order to to beat him. And I don't think that down week is happening this week for Mike. I, I think he's going to win. I think he's going to go to the to the championship in his first year, and uh, and then in that championship game, 
Yeah, he might have Christian McCaffrey coming in, Willis Reed style, uh, to give him support <laughs> in that championship game. Uh, it could could be it could be a huge move for him right there. And, and, uh, and, and speaking and speaking of Willis Reed, like, are, are we going to not talk at all about that game last night about the Lamar Jackson uh, leaving the game to poop and coming back thing? Because. Uh, that's podcast, podcast content. That is. Hey, listen, when nature calls, you got to answer, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I saw a thing <laughs> looking at when Paul Pierce poofed himself on the court and faked a knee injury, and they wheelchaired him off of the court, <laughs> and then he came back miraculously fine <laughs> a little bit later. And, like, have you guys seen the videos of him running through the tunnel and that, that poor person walking out of the locker room? And he's like, move, move. <laughs> Yeah, obviously I was pretty mad about the game last night and losing and everything, but sometimes like just the moments are just bigger than the actual game itself. And like the fact that we have now have this moment where, you know, Willis Reed and Lamar Jackson are talked about in the same sentence, but Willis Reed was actually injured and Lamar was just like back there pooping. It's just it's it's so ridiculously funny to me that it it almost makes yesterday worth it. <laughs> uh, my boy Trace McSorley came in and got hurt during that. <laughs> Uh, if anybody hasn't listened to the Trace McSorley song, uh, it's phenomenal because uh, it was done while he was at Penn State. Uh, And so, yeah, if if anybody hasn't, you know, we might might throw it on here uh, after Vince's theme song, the Trace McSorley song. Uh, It's great. Every time I see Trace McSorley on the field, which is rare, super rare, but uh, I think of that song and it is phenomenal. But yeah, uh, so Lamar Jackson has to drop a deuce and then just pop back into the game, no problem. And they, and they called it cramps. <laughs> <laughs> like anybody, anybody who saw the tape of him running back to the locker room knew exactly what was happening because like every everybody's had that run at some point <laughs> and like like oh no no I know what he's doing there. <laughs> Trying to keep your butt clenched. <laughs> Yeah, that ain't a cramp. Yeah, got the bubble guts. (laughs) Oh, that's what this podcast has become. We talk about poop. (laughs) It was inevitable. It was going to happen at some point. (laughs) What a way to come back in. (laughs) Yeah. He got lighter. I'll tell you that. He got a lot lighter. Uh, with those new cleats, and uh, drop, drop, the, drop the shit, and he was able to, he was able to roll. Uh, but yeah, that I didn't get to watch most of that game, uh, mostly because I go to sleep early. But I got, to, I watched the first half and did not feel good, and then kind of woke up and saw that it was a lot closer game than I expected it to be. Yeah, the uh, the, the Lamar shit really helped uh, slow down that Ravens <laughs> offense a little bit. It's, it obviously moves at a different speed. Uh, with Trace McSorley out there, but it, it, it's evident when you're watching the game that the Ravens still have, or I guess, I guess Lamar rather still has some real issues from an accuracy standpoint and from a, a passing standpoint, if he's not able to run all over defenses, which facing Cleveland, it's, it's pretty easy to do because they have miles Garrett and nobody else. But if you face <laughs> a defense that can actually contain him, uh, I think he, he will struggle quite a bit 
uh, if, if they get to the playoffs and face a team like that. So, uh, it, and it's, it's very evident why he has issues against the Steelers every time he faces them. You know, he's, he still is not that sharp of a thrower. And if a team can bottle him up uh, and make him throw from the pocket, he struggles quite a bit with it. But that, that definitely was not last night. Last night he could have ran anywhere he wanted from the toilet stall all the way back to the end zone and back it. Um, it, it just ran circles around a really, really bad defense. So, um, but, but the fact that we had that moment of him coming out of locker and straight from the toilet stall is just, it's, it's, it's so memorable and so great. I, th- I think, I think we'll remember that for a long time. And I hope people keep comparing it to Willis Reed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to know, like, at what point from the feeling of like, uh Oh, I got to go. Are you like, I need to leave the game and go now, or I'm going to be in a Paul Pierce situation? Yeah, once you get to that point, I, mean, I think it would just be like one hit and you'd be uh, a disaster, right? Like, it's a yeah. contact sport. You can't just get hit when you're trying to hold that in. And uh, yeah, it, it would have been really a sight to see on Monday Night Football for the whole nation. <laughs> you know, we felt that coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> instead of instead of the Willis Reed thing, it would be, hey, you guys remember when Lamar Jackson shit himself on national TV? <laughs> That's a 50-yard line. <laughs> well, with all that poop talk, I think it's time that we go ahead and end this episode of the Frosty and Perenny podcast. We thank you for joining for another episode Thank you to Mike Engine Throne for joining us, as well as our interns, Dave Peschen and Vince Gorgonzola, for their continued work to make this podcast everything it is and more. We are presented by Steel Valley Media. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Vince, take it away, and then we'll listen to some Trace McSorley. Catch you next week. Despite the fact that he led his high school to four straight state championship game appearances, very few high major recruiters looked at the six foot tall, 180 pounder and said, quarterback. Throw it on a dime, like I ain't even trying. Just a kid from Briarwoods, I'm wearing number nine. Met Coach Franklin down at Vandy, flipped to Happy Valley. Now I'm coming back and got the natty on my mind. They can't touch my deep ball. Every game I'm scoring.
for the glory. Baker won the Heisman. Next up, Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley. They call me Trace McSorley. I went out to the bar and I woke up in a sorority. <laughs> Michigan defense softer than that cheesecake. Beaver Stadium, get loud. Home team 14 straight. And DeAndre going long. Back shoulder to Juwan It's that Big Ten title season Try to take me out too bad We still got Tommy Stevens Throw it on a dime Like I ain't even trying Just a kid from Briarwoods I'm wearing number nine Met Coach Franklin down at Vandy Flipped at Happy Valley Now I'm coming back And got the natty on my mind They can't touch my deep ball Every game I'm scoring I'm your favorite Call me Chase McSorley Rep that blue and white You know I do it for the glory Baker won the Heisman Next up, Chase McSorley Chase McSorley They call me Chase McSorley I make these other quarterbacks look boring I'm snoring I came in as a starter and went 22 and 5 If you bring that blitz, I scramble out and let the fuck Long ball, I got no fear Going into my fifth year And I look back at 2014 Thinking how the hell did we get here Saquon to the big league Next up, Miles Sanders And the Nittany Lions moving forward While the Buckeyes going backward Listen to the critics They all say I'm undersized If you wanna win a game Then put your faith in number nine And we coming for that title Best believe I'm gonna shine I'm about to show Joe Moore Why you should not leave me behind they can't touch my deep ball Every game I'm scoring I'm your favorite quarterback They call me Trace McSorley Rep that blue and white You know I do it for the glory Baker won the Heisman Next up, Trace McSorley